You're listening to the Collegiate Ministries Podcast, where we discuss what just, vibrant, and inclusive campus ministries can look like in the 21st century. I'm your host, Derek Scott III. I'm the Executive Director of Campus and City Wesley Foundation. And in this bonus episode, we'll sit down with Rhymes McElvin and Alexis Carter-Thomas as we talk about a new resource coming from Collegiate Ministries called The Vinery. Welcome, and let's reimagine campus ministry together. Awesome. We're here for another episode of Collegiate Ministries Podcast with my good friend Rhymes, and we've got Alexis Carter-Thomas with us as well. Alexis, tell us just a little bit about yourself and all the great things you're doing right now. Hello, everyone at Collegiate Ministries Podcast. I'm Alexis Carter-Thomas. I am a minister, writer, adjunct professor, and consultant. I am a connoisseur of coffee. I'm kind of a coffee snob. I judge on taste, barista, hospitality, ambiance, all the stuff of a coffee shop. And um, so I'm passionate about good coffee, good sweet tea, and people who are passionate about their craft. And last but not least, I'm the program director for the Vinery Initiative. Awesome. And that's what we're here to talk about today. So, Rhymes, uh, tell us a little bit of, of just about why you thought a resource like the Vinery needed to be created. Um, give us a little bit of the background um, of what sort of was in the thinking as we, uh, as you all, were beginning to come to this idea of the Vinery. Uh, thank you. Well, um, Alexis, thank you for joining us. Derek, thank you for uh, co-hosting this with me. It's a privilege to be with you both to talk about something that the three of us care so deeply about, which is, you know, the flourishing of, of young adults and the flourishing of the world um, in the way of, of Jesus. And for me, um, having spent some time the last 14 years in collegiate ministry here at Miracle Forum, and then doing some consulting and relating to campus ministries around the United States through a couple of initiatives by the Lilly Endowment and other organizations, it just seems evident to me that there's a lot of hunger on the part of young adults for the kinds of churches they're looking for. I find that it's more common than to meet young adults who are like, church is foolishness. I don't, you know, I, I don't care anything about that. And just, I guess, what, what some folks call the duns um, or the nevers. Uh, I meet a lot more young adults who are curious, but are longing to find a better fit um, in congregational contexts, uh, congregations that have a, a vision and an aperture for whole community um, flourishing, not just their pocket, sort of the old older way of like, either family chapel churches or country club churches or mega churches that are just, um, you know, not what a lot of these young adults are talking about. They're talking about context where they can find some intimacy, some mentoring, and really some, some vision for what life mm-hmm. as, as it's intended to be lived in the way of, of Christ um, really looks like. So examples, exemplars, if you will. And so, um, and, and places where they can feel accepted and that they can bring their friends who might not line up with, quote unquote, um, traditional Christian or at least 
um, culturally interpreted Christian uh, outlooks or behaviors. And they're looking for places where they can find belonging um, to then sort out what they believe first, but to sort to, to experience belonging and to be a part of something bigger than themselves and to find mentors and exemplars and, and practices that enliven their spirit. And so when I think about great, let's find 50 churches that are doing that. We'll just sort of take what they're doing, package it up and share it with others. It's just not there. There are very few, and it's, it's always so particular congregation to congregation. And so what we're trying to do is to create a context of learning, you know, a vinery, which I learned this um, from Alexis is a place within a vineyard where young vines are grown to either be transplanted within the vineyard or to be transplanted to other vineyards. A vine doesn't grow in the vinery and stay in the vinery its whole life. A vine is grown in the vinery. It's like a nursery for vines long enough for it to be healthy enough, strong enough to be transplanted within the vinery where that uh, excuse me, within the vineyard where that vinery sits or at another vineyard um, to bear fruit elsewhere. And that was just this awesome metaphor that, that, that came um, to us through Alexis uh, to really think about the fact that that's what's happening with young adults when they are connected with uh, vibrant congregations and they either uh, are are grown up to a place of healthy thriving as as disciples, and they remain in that city or town or context and and that that local vineyard, or they move on to some other community to bless and grow in those other contexts. And we just felt like that was an awesome metaphor um, for bringing together a group of churches that are physically proximate to universities that are that have said. Ministry with our university neighbors and particularly young adults is a priority for us. Mm. And even if we're not doing it great right now, we want to do it great. We want to learn from those that are doing it great. We want to learn with others who are committed to that. And we said, and, and, and that's what we're looking for. That's, that's what this is about. We want to create a context for, to accompany congregations that are committed to great university ministry and to, to take them through a process that we think is going to help them uh, discern and design and develop that kind of ministry. Oh, that's so good. And that, that metaphor, really, like that metaphor of like the, the vine doesn't stay in the vinery. It, it, it is meant to be planted elsewhere. I just think that there's so much you can really do with that metaphor. So Alexis, tell us about the vinery. Tell us what it is and like what, you know, sort of how it's going to work and, and everything. Give us the details. Oh, the binary. Thanks, Rhymes. No, Rhymes did a great job. Um, yeah, giving us a big picture of the need for the binary, um, what it means for young adults to be a part of congregations and not just a part of congregations. Um, Derek, in the way that we often think of church membership traditionally, mm -hmm. you know, like, come on, young adults, come join these committees, sing in the choir and you know, you're a part of the church. Come to the potluck. We have pizza on Tuesdays for college students. No, um, the binary is an invitation for churches to do the work um, 
we talk about three key actions that will be a part of the binary, listening, reflecting, and reimagining. And so there's this deep listening that, as Ryan said, we're not giving churches a formula or a box of, if you implement these seven strategies, young adults will come to your church and you will thrive in ministry with young adults and your university neighbors. No, it's saying, Part of the call of the church and the historical roots of this particular church, why they are where they are, location, um, their proximity, um, their capacity, their, we hope, um, call to a sense of radical welcome of what it means Mm. to open a space to be caring and nurturing and to help awaken faith and flourishing, that they're already doing that and they're looking for help. They're not looking for a program or a 10 steps list. They are looking to, they're looking to be invited to recall, recall and to remember their roots of why mm. they are where they are. Yeah. They are looking to reflect, to do the work of reflection about their congregation's history, um, practices, and the stories that have made them who they are. And even maybe thinking about a time when they may have been thriving previously and when young adults were being discipled there. And how might God be calling them back to that? How might God be inviting them to reimagine is the third key verb there. Reimagining your congregation's story and how they might be called to thrive in ministry with their university neighbors. Not trying to do what the church down the street is doing, not trying to do what they heard about happening in another town that their colleagues, you know, are doing. But what is God calling them to do based on where they are planted and located, what kind of resources they have and what their community needs? And so the Vinery is taking into taking into mind all of these things and inviting congregations to be a part of a cohort where there will be this deep listening, reflecting and imagining the invitation to be, and to do that with other congregations, Um, not to do that alone, but to do that with great coaching um, from experienced consultants, Um, to do that with Rhymes and I and our team, the Vinery team, to sit, to listen, to imagine together, um, to listen to the spirit of God and to say like, what we come with may not be what we leave with. And there may be a lot of hard processes, um, hard stories told and truths told about what is not being done and what we may need to rethink and how that changes, may change um, a congregation, but may also invite them into vibrant, vibrant life-giving ministry. And that's what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about the ecclesia, the church, the fellowship of believers of Jesus followers, but I'm also passionate about university ministry. So the binary is a call to take the call of the former, the church, with the vibrancy of the latter, the university neighbors, and to combine them and to say, let's see what we can do together, the power and the possibilities of how the broader broader community can be impacted through these relationships and this nurturing. Love it. Love it. Wow. So tell us a bit more just about sort of the process and like how congregations will journey um, through the vinery. So the process is we want congregations to apply. As Rhyme said, we want congregations who are already prioritizing ministry with your university neighbors who have um, 
who have already named this as a part of their strategic plan, right? They're not just reading about the binary and saying, oh, that's a cool idea, let's try it. But they've already like tapped into this sense of call of sensing that we need to be better neighbors and we just need help and support in this process. So we invite them to apply for a 24-month cohort experience that will begin Applications are now, but the actual experience and meeting and gathering will begin in January of 2022. And so this 24th month month process includes retreats, coaching calls, being in community, as I said, with other congregations who are looking to do the same that are different um, from them, where they get ideas, where they learn to listen to other stories, where they learn to notice the spirit at work in their own communities and their histories, but also in those of others in a region. Um, So this cohort, we're calling learning community cohorts, and it will be made up of lead teams from congregations, um, clergy and young adults, who apply to come together for this 20-month, 24-month process in which they will receive coaching, mentoring, where they will be invited to do some storytelling invited into the public narrative framework of Marshall Gans. Um, Marshall Gans is a Harvard professor who designed this beautiful framework of storytelling that includes the story of self, the story of us, and the story of now. And so we are going to use, um, our work is grounded in Gans's public narrative about how we, how do we tell the stories? Do we even know the stories or have we come to live into other stories um, of who others say we are. And and so it's not magic, but in some ways it is, Derek. It, it is. It's, it's inviting into this listening and reflecting and reimagining and the storytelling in ways that we might learn to hear our stories better, that congregations might learn to hear the stories and why perhaps young adults are not there or they're not flourishing. And, you know, we say that awakening our Tagline for the binary is awakening faith and flourishing and at the intersection of church and university. And when I think about the last year, um, when I think about the last year in our nation um, where churches um, might have come to reveal who's flourishing and who's awake and what that means and all the spectrum of what that can mean. Um, But gatherings of folks who claim to follow Jesus (sighs) Um, who may have struggled with not just life in a pandemic, but life in a nation where systemic sin is being exposed in greater greater measures, um, where churches, where communities have come to name and notice who is awake to faith and flourishing and what our world needs from congregations Hmm. and what young adults need. And so the binary is a space. It's a, it's an innovation of what does it mean to intentionally answer God's call to connect these congregations, to connect with their university neighbors, to become aware of the possibilities of giving attention to these relationships that will nurture congregations, that will nurture young adults and will transform communities for the glory of God. And so it's, what does it mean to be awake in a world that desperately needs it around faith and flourishing? And so that's what the binary is inviting people into congregations into in a very particular way. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about how we're doing it with the 24 month cohort of people applying and us guiding them through this process. Um, 
and building a network of congregations and universities um, that are doing this and are looking to teach others how to do this. Would you say that's right, Rhymes? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, uh, that's why you needed to say it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just, that's awesome. And to, to me, <clears throat> just to kind of echo some things and, um, you know, at the, at the really kind of highest level, you know, Alexis is, is kind of gently pointing to something that, um, we share as a deep conviction, which is that the fabric of American society has experienced greater and lesser tears over the last, you know, 40, 50 years. It's also experienced some healing and some reweaving in different places. But there's no doubt the last six, eight years has really brought into focus, um, I think, thankfully, a lot of the kind of latent tears that folks have ignored for a period of time. Now, why they have or why those, those tears have, have gone unattended for a, a period of time, you know, that, that's not for this podcast. And that's maybe even above my pay grade, but it's not difficult to see that the fabric of American society's tears um, through different kinds of supremacies and different kinds of um, oppression and injustice are being laid bare. And uh, Alexis and I, and I believe, Derek, that you share this conviction too, um, really believe deeply in the capacity of faithful churches and dynamic universities to be key institutions that are imbued with both the capacity, but more importantly, the calling to work together to nurture the reweaving of a healthier American society and cultural milieu for young adults and, and others um, in which to flourish. And so we want to do our part in ushering that kind of relationship or what I would even just say is a simple overlap. If a university doesn't necessarily understand itself that way all the time from, from the top down, that's okay. If a church sometimes mistakes itself for other having other goals, that's, that's okay. But in the end, universities are about citizen craft, you know, equipping human beings and instilling within them the necessary intellectual and skill and moral capacities to meaningfully contribute to the good of human society in humanity's name. And churches are in the business of disciple craft, the formation of human beings with the necessary practices and skills and spiritual capacities and, and spiritual acumen to contribute to the good of humankind in the name of Jesus. And so there's a lot of overlap between those two institutional aims with citizen craft and disciple craft. But I believe all institutions need help doing what they're called to do well. And so we're seeking to use this initiative to help churches do a great job in ministering to their university and with their university neighbors 
and to engage in, in really faithful disciple craft, forming particularly young adults, but all adults who come that way and with whom they partner in university ministry um, to, to have the, the moral and, and spiritual and even skill capacities to meaningfully contribute to the good of human society in the name of Jesus. And I, I'm just, I'm really excited about how Alexis's wisdom and experience in this area um, marries up so well with Marshall Gann's work. Um, and I really believe that congregations who participate in, in this are going to find a whole other gear of faithfulness and effectiveness waiting for them on the other side of this 24 month process. So much. Journeying with other congregations committed to developing faithful and effective university ministries and, and really ministering to young adults in the 21st century. So super well, excited. Rhymes, let me, let me just say real quick, like that I've found uh, the, the way that Marshall Gantz's curriculum sort of really helps just everyday people mm -hmm. uh, find their story, articulate their story and see how their story intersects with others in a way that I, I, I've just not seen other other pathways kind of uh, inspire folks to do. I, I, I've loved just that we're doing some stuff even in the Florida conference with that. So I love that. And, and Alexis, I love the language of university neighbors, which is, is it, it changes the dynamic because I think there are a lot of churches that do look to, if they are close to a university, they're looking to those students as the people who are going to keep their churches open. And so they're like, they're, they are the means to this other end. Whereas when we start thinking about university neighbors, one, we're not just thinking about students, but we're, we're also thinking about our co-relationship, the ecosystem yeah. that we're in, right? And so I just, I loved all of that. So Rods, I interrupted you. Sorry, I think you were about to tell us like what congregations might be like best positioned to consider being a part of the vinery. Yeah. Were, were you about to tell us that? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do that, Derek. Um, you know, just just one last piece on, on that is, you know, the, <laughs> Scripture is the story of um, God's relationship with, with human beings. Mm -hmm. And it's a story that's meant for human flourishing, mm -hmm. not for condemnation or, 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 or overarching judgment. It's, it's a story mm -hmm. that's it's a redemptive story and it's important for congregations to do this work of discerning for themselves the particular way in which their congregation's story is a part of God's bigger story. And that's why, you know, we are, we're a narrative people. I mean, you know, we, we're telling stories and sharing stories left and right. Stories help animate us. And that's why we feel like grounding this process in this public narrative sharing arc that Gans has laid out, um, but really helping congregations to do their own discernment around that of how God is weaving their story into God's redemptive story and redemptive work in the world and restorative work in the world and reconciling work in the world and all the other. Awesome. Good work that God is up to, but you know, um, helpfully, and one of the ways that we connect with the Lilly Endowment on this, not just out of the fact that that they are committed through this initiative, the Thriving Congregations Initiative, to find ways to help congregations thrive, but you know, they've identified 
you know, three markers of thriving congregations, those which recognize their ever-changing social and cultural contexts. So that's kind of one mark of a thriving congregation. Um, a second one is congregations that display or sort of embody or express clarity around their own sense of mission and vision and values. And then thirdly, it's their contention that thriving congregations cultivate Christian practices, right? It, just pretty simple and straightforward, but are you cultivating Christian practices among human beings? And um, th those three things will be um, fleshed out in concert with this public narrative sharing process to help congregations recognize Maybe they're doing two of those three. Maybe they're only doing one of those three, or maybe they're doing all three, but not with zeal, shall we say, or with great effect in, in, in reaching university neighbors and particularly university young adults. Um, and so those are some, some things that are a part of it. Maybe congregations have some of those hallmarks already. Maybe they are, have identified a willingness to grow in those. Alexis put her finger on... It earlier, three other for us, for our initiative, for the binary that we've identified as key markers for great congregational partners for the binary um, are about proximity. We're really looking first to partner with universities within just one or two miles, you know, just walking distance really of a university. So we know that that's going to rule out tons of churches, but there's 20 million undergraduates in the United States right now, and there's more than 5,000 churches within just a couple of miles of those university campuses where those 20 million undergrads are going. Now, I know a good percentage of those or a chunk of those are online, um, but there's a huge, like more than 15 million undergraduates in person at university campuses, and there are these 5,000 or more churches within situated within walking distance, really, of a, of a college campus. And we want to focus first with those churches. So proximity matters. You can also be maybe like a 10-minute train ride if you're in an urban context, but, you know, we don't want to expect students to have to ride, you know, a train or, or do public transportation for 30 minutes. So proximity for this first round, for this first um, set of cohorts, we really want to focus on university, I mean, excuse me, congregations proximate to university. The second one is priority. Now, if university ministry isn't yet a priority for a congregation, that's okay, as long as you've identified it as part of your three, five, 10-year strategic plan for your congregation. So maybe you're a healthy congregation, you're near a university, and you haven't you know, hit the mark yet and really reaching your university neighbors. That's okay. That's a, actually, you're kind of a great fit because we want to be a part of you flourishing in ministry with your university neighbors as a part of your ministry's total, your, your church's total ministry offering to the world. And the last is, um, uh, uh, the last hallmark for us is capacity, um, which is, do you have the capacity to have a small team that focuses on this, that leads your congregation through this process? And do you have the financial bandwidth to invest in collegiate ministry and university ministry? Um, if you're thinking we need to break off an extra 500 bucks for the year and have some, you know, um, 
pizza and a lock-in and all that kind of stuff, uh, this might not really be the thing for you. If you say, we've got you know several thousand dollars and we want, want to grow that over the next three to five years because university ministry um, is not just a priority for us. We're going to build our capacity there and we're going to build it through partnership with the Vinery. That makes perfect sense and, and, and would be a great fit. So you have the capacity in terms of some lay and potentially clergy leadership for a team to help your congregation focus its ministry energy around building university ministry capacity. Um, or if you're already doing um, maybe collegiate ministry, but you haven't really grown in anything beyond just reaching the young adults. We feel like building a healthy university ministry is a broader aperture that helps you build ministry with the faculty and staff and administration, maybe in the, even the alumni and local university representatives to sort of build a, st- a stability and a reputational platform that then nets out more and more young adults finding you as a trustworthy congregation over time. And the relationships with people who aren't turning over every 24 to 48 months um, are really intact with your church there. So proximity, priority, and capacity. Churches that have those three things or are growing in those three things would be great partners for Fantastic. the um, awesome. And obviously they can apply and, and find out all of this information and more at thevinery.org, thevinery.org. Um, awesome. So yeah, that's, I think that's what I got on that. Beautiful. So as we're ending uh, this episode, Alexis, what's your hope for the Vinery? Mm. Uh, that it would be life-giving, that it would be fruit-bearing, that congregations come to listen better to themselves, their stories and the stories of young people and their university neighbors become better listeners. Um, and... Oh, I have so many hopes. Uh, and I think that we would do what we say we're going to do, awaken faith and flourishing at the intersection of university and congregational ministry. And you saw me reaching for a book um, when Rhymes was talking and thinking about those were the things I thought of and the things I think of often when I'm doing the binary work, that it would be life-giving and fruit-bearing. And then the last thing I'll end with is sometimes I can get so like tunnel vision about those things that I'm passionate about, about the church and university ministry. And I was reading this um, quote and by Bell Hooks, and it's been kind of grounding to me in this season of remembering why I'm doing this and why it's important to listen, because when we don't listen, we often aren't being just and equitable with our neighbors and loving them well. And so Hooks says, um, they will not understand that it is the most militant, most radical intervention anyone can make to not only speak of love, but to engage in the practice of love. For love is the foundation of all social movements for self-determination is the only way we can create a world that domination and dominator thinking cannot destroy. Mm. Anytime we do the work of love, we are doing the work of ending domination. The work of love is our revolutionary starting point. And that's bell hooks and teaching critical thinking, practical wisdom. And I want to think about that more because I think about all the works of like storytelling, of listening, of reimagining, but I want it to be driven by love. So that dominator thinking, the way that some congregations have taken on stories that is that are of the empire, 
that's not about love, that's not about listening, that's not about young adults. And young adults, this generation, Z, Y, all can spot dominator thinking. Yeah, they can. They spot can. the fruit of the, yeah. the fruit bearers of domination. So I want to bear yes. good fruit, right? I want to bear awesome. the fruit of the spirit. And so I think about that. What does it mean that the vinery that rhymes and I and our team are committed to um, love that really does like eradicate that kind of dominating thinking? Yes. That was, that was so great. Oh, what, wow. Ale- what Alexis said. That was like, Ron, I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know if you've got these other hopes, but because that's <laughs> pretty rock star right there. But Ron, do you have any hopes for the Vinery? No, my, my hopes is that we'll fulfill the mission, right? Mm-hmm. To, to, to awaken um, thriving uh, at the intersection of, of church and university through deep listening and purposeful design. I mean, that's why that, that's why it's our mission. That, that's what, what we hope to accomplish. Because if we do, it will mean that we are helping um, God bring about the kind of world that Alexis just described through Bell Hooks language. So, yeah. Fantastic. Alexis, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Really, really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. I've enjoyed this. Thank you for the invitation and to share about the Vinery. And I hope more people come to learn and go to our website at thevinery.org. So thank you, Derek. Thank you, Rhymes, for inviting me into this amazing work. Awesome. Thank you, Alexis and Derek. This has been awesome. Thanks for joining us for this bonus episode of the Collegiate Ministries podcast. For more information on the Vinery and to listen to past episodes of this podcast, check out collegiateministries.com.